tired of the everyday routine? Ever dream of a life of romantic adventure? Want to get away from it all? We offer you... What's up, guys? Welcome to Breaking Walls, episode number 45. My name is James Scully. Today on Breaking Walls, I sit down with Brighton UK-based graphic designer, visibility coach, and creative rock star, Kat Rose, for a conversation that centers around two main topics. One, Kat Rose runs a community called the League of Creative Introverts that centers around helping creative introverts connect with each other and get their work out there. Two, being that it's the month of November here on The Wall Breakers, our main topic is gratitude, and Kat sheds a lot of light into how she has been consciously allowing gratitude into her life. Kat has left the agency world. She freelances full-time for a living. We get into what she did to make that happen, to make it a reality, and how she keeps herself afloat month to month. She has what she would call a Swiss Army Knife approach to life in which she tries to diversify her creative interests and not put all of her eggs in one basket. I am like-minded in that regard, and I think that's the right way for many creatives to approach how they can pay their bills every month and remain creative and push their careers forward. Before I go on, as I always say, you can get these podcasts by going to soundcloud.com slash thewallbreakers. You can also find us on iTunes by searching for The Wallbreakers. If you're going to do either of those things, please rate us review, subscribe, tell a friend, tell two friends. Word of mouth spreads these conversations around. If you have a guest in mind that you'd love to hear me interview, please do not hesitate to reach out to me under any circumstances. Also, check out thewallbreakers.com. We've got a five-year archive of creative articles, of editorials, of culture, of things like old New York photos. It's been well-stocked. I've been going back into my own archives and reading through some of the old articles, updating them, republishing them. So check out those things at thewallbreakers.com. As I mentioned a minute ago, it's the middle of November. If you're in the States, Thanksgiving is right around the corner. You've got leaves that are turning shades of auburn and orange. The weather in the East Coast here in the United States of America has been beautiful. It's that time of the year where the shadows are long, the sun is low in the sky, and you got to get out and be a little bit of an early bird, something cat is, if you want to get enough daylight in your life. So speaking of being an early bird, I'm going to keep this intro right here and get right to the heart of the conversation with me and Cat Rose for Breaking Walls, episode number 45. Stay tuned for that right after this brief pause. Hey guys, welcome back to Breaking Walls, and my guest today is Kat Rose, who's a graphic designer and online visibility coach, and she's also the creator of the League of Creative Introverts. Welcome to the podcast, Kat. Thank you so much. Thank you, James. Nice to be here. Nice to speak with you virtually. Uh, you are currently living in London, is that correct? Um, I was up until this summer. I moved to Brighton, and which is basically, um, I would call it like your San Francisco by the sea. We don't have a sandy beach, it's pebbles, and it's obviously <laughs> not very warm, but it's nice, it's fun. It's, it's really close to London, actually. When you moved to Brighton prior to that, when you were living in London, were you already freelancing full-time, working for yourself as a full-time freelancer, basically? Yeah, so I quit my agency job. I was at a small website agency in London for a good few years, and I quit that in 2013. It wasn't exactly what I wanted to do at the start. Really, what I wanted to do was just go down to half uh, part time and see if I could kind of make my illustration dreams, you know, a reality, basically. But that just wasn't feasible for the tiny company. They just couldn't have me part time. So I was like, OK, you've made the decision for me. I'm going to quit and try going freelance um, and see what happens. If it doesn't work, if I'm like, Redline after six months, then I will get a real job again. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's three years later, and I still don't have a real job. <laughs> I, 
I'm curious because I'm somebody who has at times wanted to break from the nine to five world. I've done it occasionally success successfully and then found myself needing to go back there for the steady paycheck. Did you have a certain amount of hours in mind that you knew you needed to hit per month? Or also let me ask in the lead up to taking that plunge for a creative who has been considering that, including myself. And I'm very curious about this. What were the things that you thought about? What was it that pushed you over the edge? I've talked to other people who they've said, I wish I could tell you that my job was terrible, but it was just mundane and I knew that wasn't good for me. I've also talked to people who said, I liked my job, but I was doing something on the side that was so passionate, I had to take it. And I've had talked to people who have also said, I was miserable, I had to take the leap. Where was that for you? What was going through your head? It was a mixture. I think I was never fully comfortable just working in an office and I didn't really know why it wasn't necessarily the people or the clients it was literally this kind of energy thing um and I just thought it was I mean we'll get onto this but I thought it was just me being like a brat and like you know what I don't like working for other people I um I just want to do my own thing and I thought maybe it was that and maybe it was the fact that my creative stuff the fact that I wanted to be illustrating not necessarily I was I still love designing and it was designing websites but man a lot of the work was um way less creative than that which again is another story we're talking like online gambling sites yeah like not the sexiest thing to be working on anyway it was kind of a breaking point several times though throughout my time there so it, it wasn't this one like final straw thing when people say oh you know I just need to quit my job it, it's too scary like you need to have some kind of net my net really was just knowing that if I gave myself um, I had saved up a little bit of money enough sort of to get me by for six months that's what I always use this kind of six month thing because that seemed like a reasonable amount of time to get myself on my feet and test out the waters so I think that would be my first thing to recommend people is just having that money saved to be your net um, and I also had like let's be realistic I mean I could still live with my parents and I did for a while and I found that fine it's not an option for everyone I'm really grateful that I had that as an option but I think it's digging deep and like thinking mm, what what's important to me right now and to me at the time the most important thing was just giving it a try and it just felt like the right time a lot of things came together and I I also wanted to travel like that was a big thing uh, and I knew that at nine to five, you're limited. You know, I really wanted to take a big chunk of time and go, I, I wanted to go to Japan, which I did. And yeah, so it's a mixture. And I really, I understand that people, that's not for everyone. I think if you can do the part-time thing, then that's obviously brilliant. I think a lot of workplaces are moving in that direction, but some aren't. And yeah, everyone's situation is different. And some people need that kick, like they need the fear. I think I work well under pressure, like having a deadline. So it made me get work. <laughs> For one, you're somebody who works well under pressure. Be it the pressure of, I've got to pay my bills, or the pressure of, hey, this is due at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I have to get this done. But you also said something that I've taken the wrong approach with, and that is you saved up six months' worth of money because – you do need somewhat of a soft landing if you can help it, right? Because if you don't have that, it's immediately going to become a dire situation and then you're making moves out of desperation, which is the opposite of why to take that kind of leap, right? I've heard other people say, and I really do think that when you are in that place of desperation, you're not gonna do your best work. Do you follow, what's his name? Andy Pizza, Creative Pep Talk is, is another podcast. And he talks about a time where he wasn't, his main job was not a creative thing at all, but because he allowed himself the time in that to do creative work out of hours, he made some of his best work, I think, in that time because he wasn't acting out of desperation um, and just taking any design job left and right. And I, at some point in my freelance career, I definitely have taken jobs that I shouldn't have taken just because I had to at the time. So yeah, it's, it's really good to have that buffer. Well, now I want to hit on two things really quickly. One, the first thing you just said, you're talking about somebody who was a creative person, but possibly left a job in the quote unquote creative field, where, like you're saying, working on an online gambling websites, 
things that are supposed to be creative or you're at a job where your title is creative, graphic designer, et cetera, but the job itself is not, it's pretty mundane, which is in my opinion and from my experience, some of the most depressing stuff for a creative because the point of it was to be creative and now suddenly you're not creative and they're telling you you're being creative, but you know you're not. And so we'll, we'll talk about the energy in a second there, but you also just mentioned taking a job that had nothing to do with being in the creative field to allow yourself to be creative on the side. and. Now, in running the League of Creative Introverts, we'll get into that also in a second, but I think there's a hesitancy from creatives who are working at mundane creative jobs to take, let's say, a bartending gig or something. You know, well, actually, it's different, I think, in, in the UK, but in the States, bartending, you work for tips, basically. So it's the kind of job where you can work nights, you can have your time, if you can figure out a way to have the energy to do things during the day, etc. Yeah, like I haven't done that, but it's always been an option. And I think in a way it can work really well because it is what it is. Like no one's saying, I mean, I always think of baristas, like in Brighton, every barista is an artist of some kind. And it's really cool because they're doing their thing, but they're not stressing out about it because they've got a job and they're paying the bills. Right. Um, which is a nice place to be. But yeah, there is something really hard about going to work every day and being like, hang on, this is meant to be like living the dream. I've got the agency job in the West End of London and oh, I hate it. <laughs> and that is really hard. And yeah, and we could start talking about the energy because at the end of that job, at the end of the day, you've been looking at the screen all day and I couldn't then go and do some work, um, creative work. I was just- Dream. Yeah. But if I'd maybe been doing something that was a bit more chilled out, sales assistant, something like that, I probably could have had the energy to do more creative work on the side. Right, because after you've been looking at a screen doing stuff you don't want to do for eight hours, why would you want to continue to look at a screen at nine o'clock at night when you have to go up and do it again the next day, right? Exactly and that. Also with the energy, now you're talking on one level, the possibility of taking a job as a barista, a bartender, etc. That's being open in terms of energy and you're saying, Hey, it is about meeting bills month to month and being able to live and buy groceries. And so if you can figure out a way to do that while simultaneously doing things to advance yourself down the roads that you'd like to go, fine. And now we're talking about the energy within a, um, a dead end kind of job. That's the opposite of that, right? It's stagnant. It's just like it hangs in the air all day while you're there. Yeah, that's it. And um, it's, it's trying to find that place because obviously not all you know a barista job that could just like not suit people either um, right. for me this energy thing definitely comes from the introvert in me so for me being around a lot of people the time it just wears me out so I could still have like creative juices but kind of everything else was down by you know the first like four hours of the morning I was pretty fine but after that and, and I think everyone can relate to that introvert or extrovert to an extent but I do notice, um, just from talking to other creatives, the ones who are introverts do find that office environment a lot harder. So maybe then it's like looking for a job that plays to those energetic strengths as well. Because I'm just thinking, like, if I was doing quite a social job, and especially one in the evening, hmm, maybe that wouldn't be right for me. Um, sure. I'm very much an early bird. But it is, it's just this idea of knowing where that sweet spot is for you and like how you can kind of work with that. When you then left the creative job and to branch out on your own, what were the steps that you were taking to get new clients? Man, if I was to do it all differently now, it'd be different because I, I basically had to restart when I came to Brighton this year, but I'll get onto that. So when I first went freelance, I didn't have like any connection set up. I hadn't really thought in advance. I was lucky in some ways that my old agency we left on very good terms and they would occasionally send work my way um which was nice but also i just looked out i didn't really know what to do but i just added my cv and um to agency sites so i went to a lot of like creative agencies and i was like you know i'm a freelancer put me in touch with people the thing that i didn't do um which i started doing more recently and have had great responses is just reaching out to individuals um, because the mistake I made with going freelance was 
again, taking work just because it was work. So I was going into other agencies in London, having exactly the same experience. Like it just it was just another agency job, more like uncreative work, generally speaking, because, you know, as a freelancer, they're just going to get you in to work on something that somebody else has started and run out of time on. So that was, again, it was like, oh, maybe this isn't the dream. The good side was, is that I had more time to be working on my other stuff. So I had more energy anyway, um, which was great. But it wasn't until um, even this year, moving to Brighton, where I had more time to work on my online business, League of Creative Introverts and everything. But when I have been getting the kind of like bread and butter money, that has been a matter of reaching out to individuals and not agencies, basically, because I realized that I like working from my house, basically. So again, it's, you know, it's a few requirements. It's like, I want to be able to work from where I am. And I also want to work with people directly because I'd rather have the opinion of the client rather than go through a chain of other opinions. Yeah, man, like that's, that's just one of, I think every designer can relate to that. And it's just the way businesses work. Like, I'm not ever blaming the individuals. Usually they're amazing people. It's just the fact that when somebody's asked their opinion, they will like conjure up an opinion. Um, whether they're like in sales, finance, like they will have an opinion. And that's really hard, I think, for a creative person. Whereas I could take anything like from my individual clients because it's their work. If I'm making a website for them, I will take anything because it's theirs. It's their project. I can give my opinion, but I'm way more open to that than I am of somebody in a totally different department. <laughs> you know, I felt at first that it would be ridiculous, like that I couldn't possibly just email a random business local business and expect them to be like okay yeah we'll um give you a chance who are you um but actually it was maybe it was just the way i've worded some emails or something but they responded generally really well and i wish i'd known that in london and part of me thinks that maybe in london it wouldn't have worked so well again it's it's a smaller city here and people are quite enthusiastic when they're like oh you're local we can actually meet for coffee because people, I mean, I don't know about you, but even I will get, just because I've got some websites halfway around the world, is saying, mm, would you like some help with your SEO? And I'm like, no, who are you, you robot? Um, where I, <laughs> if it was a genuine person reaching out and being like, hey, I'm new to the city and I'm really hoping to build my portfolio in this area. Um, I looked at your website and I think I could help you with this and this. People respond, in my experience, very well to that. It's interesting that you're talking about two things. One and I think this is a general creative problem for people who've worked at agencies. The creative in a lot of ways is the low man on the totem pole of opinions. And we get buried under everybody else's opinion who's an armchair art director who then tells you, do it this way. Oh, but you're the creative. You know, you know what to do. And it's like, eh, I'm going to fucking kill you one of these days if you keep saying these <laughs> stupid things to me. But really what you're saying is help me get me out of here. And But the other side of that is you talking about reaching out to local businesses and the community that's tight-knit around you and they're saying, oh, you're here, we can go meet, we can talk. That, even though we live in a global environment where you and I are sitting and we're talking and we live 5,000 miles from each other and five time zones from each other, but there's a desire for that human contact where, you know, and I think a creative can sometimes be afraid of that because oh, what, you're gonna ring me at like 2 a.m. because you live three blocks from me, you know, like, we don't want, but there, there's got to be some sort of give back or take, you know? And that would be the thing that I think I was scared of at first. I thought if I was too location-based, because my like one of my things, I think a lot of lifestyle entrepreneurs want to be portable. They want to be able to move around. Moving to Brighton was that I would stay here maybe six months, then go to Spain for six months and do all these things. But A, I love this place and I've got you know, I, I just had to like think about it. Like, why am I moving again? Thinking about my actual situation. But also it's true. These clients are like normal people. They're not calling me up at 2am. And I think that was my big fear of being tied down. And I'm sure they would understand if I was like, you know what, I'm taking a holiday. I'll be answering emails at this time. It's just setting those boundaries, I think. And we assume that just because we're 
um, working with local clients that we're going to be held full and chain by them. But it's really our duty just to set those boundaries from the get-go. It's hard. Again, it's, it's another hard thing to do when you're like, uh, every job is so important and I need to like, yeah, pay the bills. But It would seem to me that one of the things that's driving you, and I could just be a similar person, so I don't want to speak for all creators, but it would seem that this is a commonality here. We want to, even more than money, because money's nice, to a point where you're like, oh, cool, I can buy groceries and not have to think about this stuff. But time is so important. Time to yourself, time to grow, time to set your own schedule. And just, it's not that you want to be lazy, Kat. It's that you want to be able to say, well, no, it's 11 a.m. and it's Wednesday and this is what I want to do at this point. Not, well, you report here at nine o'clock every day, regardless of what's going on. And you leave at this time, regardless of what's going on, which just seems so arbitrary as we move into 2017 at this point. Oh my God, so true. And it's, it's I think it comes down to, yes, time. And it's, it's choice. So it's choice to how we spend that time um, and, yeah, choice of where to be. So, like, you know, thinking back to that, even that first agency job, I would have been very happy to stay with them longer if I'd had more choice. So the choice to work from home on certain days, the choice to work certain hours. I would say it's the majority of people who want that choice. I think we work well within boundaries. But when we choose those boundaries, it's huge. And I would say that one of my... It's like a strength and a weakness, but I do, I call it control, and I always think that's quite a negative word, but really it's more about choice. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, I mean, you can probably tell from talking to me, but some of my values, I'm quite into, like, value-based life, but, you know, like, freedom and choice and all these kind of things, whereas Absolutely. the opposite of that, or not necessarily the opposite, but stability and um, security and familiarity, those are great values, but they're maybe not very high up on my particular thing and I, maybe that's I think the case for a lot of creatives yeah well I also think that at times that stability it can become oppressive where you're saying boundaries where we want certain parameters because you need certain parameters that's the balance right but if there's too much of one thing it, okay as an example when capitalism when it works right as a free market right there's certain boundaries there and but there's freedom in which to play where you and I can go out and make our own living. Sometimes that can be too much in one direction where it's too wild and people get trampled. But then the other side of that would be like oppressive communism where people don't have any say. And it's natural for a human being when oppressed, even in low level kind of ways that like first world ways that we can be, you're going to rebel. That's just human nature. You as a kid, if you were placed in a similar environment, you would rebel against it in a similar way. You know, it's that like inner child coming out and saying, no, I, I want my life back. We're rebellious by nature. And I think it's maybe to a varying degree. I think some people more so than others. I definitely have some friends and I'm like, uh, they're really not very rebellious. And some who are like, you cannot get them to do anything just because you ask. <laughs> they're like, right. no, now I have to literally do the opposite. <laughs> so yeah, it's interesting. Um, and I think it's how you position it, because you can definitely, well, going into weird territories of like manipulation, but you can get people to do things as long as they feel like it's a choice. Right, um, exactly. advertising works, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, and even they say that with clients, right? Like, get the client to think that your idea is their idea, and you'll get your idea sold in. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about the League of Creative Introverts. I find this to be fascinating, and in a lot of ways... I wouldn't say that I like to interview people uh, because we're doing the same things. I think that would be incredibly selfish on my part and presumptuous also of, of other people. But it would seem that you and I are somewhat kindred in this regard in that you want to connect to other people. And I think you realize that those choices that you want to make and the level of stability that you want and the happiness that you want to be able to bring a lot of it has to do with not only the community, but you staying connected and being, I call it like triadic relationships. Like, hey, Kat, meet my friend so-and-so, and I'm setting you guys up, and you guys trust me because you both know me individually. So in return, you guys must trust each other because of me being the one in the middle, right? So being a, an artist, a creative person, it's a very prideful thing. It brings a lot of insecurity out because even at a dead-end job where you're making banners for a gambling website, 
there's still some level of creativity that you want to try to employ there every day or control. Otherwise, you wouldn't show up. If, if there was no hope, you would just not show up or you would lose all hope, etc. So what's the onus to create something like this League of Creative Introverts, both selfishly in a way, like why do you want to do it for you, and what were you looking at in terms of the big picture there as well? Yeah, it's funny because all of that stuff you just said, I 100% relate to now. But had you said it to me mm, a year and a half ago, I'd have been like, eh, that's not really on my list of things to do. I'm quite happy just plodding away at my own thing. But I got to a breaking point or a tipping point, whatever. Um, some point, maybe it was around November. Yeah, literally like a year ago um, where I was putting stuff out online, um, but kind of like hitting a wall. <laughs> this is getting like a wall breakers. Yeah. So I, I was also at the same time really getting into Periscope, watching YouTube videos and kind of and podcasts. So I was getting a lot more connected to the people I was following rather than just reading their blogs, which at the time was my only way of communicating with my audience as it was online. Um, and Facebook groups were a really big thing for me. Um, and this is all like at the same time where I was really researching more into introversion and like understanding um, the other creatives around me and the fact that we were all introverts and we all hated promoting our work. Like other than sending out a few tweets and maybe going on Instagram, like that's where it ended. And, you know, we were wondering. So at the same time, yeah, I was kind of talking to people in these Facebook groups and using them very much as like a help forum. You know, I think um, I was amazed at, you know, I was back on Facebook. I'd been like not on Facebook for a while, um, but these groups kind of changed everything. Uh, but they were mostly like either creatives, um, illustrators, designers, artists, and on, like online business owners. So we were all talking about the business end of things. No one was really talking about the mindset or the difficulty it, we have in actually talking about our work. So I was feeling a bit like, hang on, the people I'm talking to in real life are going through these struggles. Where are they online? And so I was also joining introvert groups, but they were all just talking about like, oh, where well it is to be an introvert and here's a meme. Um, and they weren't talking about the business end of things. So the League of Creative Introverts was literally my, yeah, totally selfish, a way to like scratch my own itch basically and bring those two things together and see what happens and start that conversation and at first I was like what is an introvert doing starting a community and definitely people have asked me that like it seems like a bit contradictory but I don't really think that because it's not like being an introvert means we don't like people it just means that we manage our energy differently and that's why I think the group is so great because you can just pop in and out when you need to. Uh, now it's like an online membership site, so you can get all your stuff. I add resources to that, and it, it feels very much to me more like, I guess it, it, everything I create for it is something that I feel like I need. Um, I don't know if you feel the same, but like it, that's where everything kind of starts. And then you're like, hang on, is this what my audience wants? But the, your, my audience is, it's basically lots of me's. <laughs> that's pretty much how I see it. And um, that's why I think it kind of works. Whereas when we try to create something for an audience who we can't relate to, or we're sort of like, oh, I need to do loads of market research about this thing that I don't know if it exists. It just gets, it's, I'm not saying that's impossible, but it, it's harder. That's why I think the league has just kind of like grown and blossomed from that place of just like, hey, there's a gap here let's open up that conversation for you is there a balance between like you said introverts you guys have trouble and i don't and i think actually this is most people promoting oneself i think there's an air of i'm just being an arrogant asshole if you talk about yourself in any way and i, I think we're raised in that kind of way to keep us subconsciously and this is like conspiracy stuff but if everybody is afraid to blossom and be who they are, that's good because the few who are can make, contain control and blah, 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 blah. But also, you're talking about, you like you said, just because I'm an introvert doesn't mean that I don't like people or just because I'm an introvert doesn't mean that I don't want to connect to people. 
I just need to do it in my way. So I have to assume that if there are others who are like-minded, by me putting myself out there, you're just, it's like the beacon, right? Like you're, you're shining your, your lighthouse, hoping that those who are near you will see it as well. And it's not, that's not arrogant, actually. That's a desire to be the opposite of that, I think. Yeah, and I would say that for just any creative who's putting stuff out there, to see it that way, being like, okay, I believe in this thing. I'm just going to see what happens. And that in itself is scary because as soon as you put something of yourself out there, you're like, ah, if somebody rejects this, they reject me. So I guess, and that's the kind of thing that really fascinates me is really looking into what emotional stuff, what psychological stuff is going on in our heads when we struggle to talk about ourselves. And I still do. I'm definitely over this year. It's kind of getting used to even like as soon as our conversation turns to the league I kind of it's okay now but like it, it, it was definitely a struggle at, at the start even to explain all that because I was like oh what if this interviewer thinks that like that's a ridiculous idea and you know it's it's this innate fear fear of the unknown or judgment yeah, judgment all of that yeah fear of um I think we naturally want to belong don't we yes. um and it's that fear of like getting kicked out of the tribe because you said something stupid um, <laughs> well before we yeah. go on even further and I'm, we're going to say this at the end again. I want you to sit, tell people what the URL is for the League of Creative Introverts in case they're listening to this and want to browse as we're talking. So if you go to thecreativeintrovert.com, that's thecreativeintrovert because people miss that bit out, um, forward slash LCI. But you'll find the link on my page. This is something that you've launched. You're running it. What's the goal for this? Where do, I know that you're already working for yourself. So the goal is no longer to get out of the day job and things like that. So now that you've reached that one goal, this particular goal for the Creative Introvert League, mm. where do you want to go with it? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> that's something I ask myself every day. But um, it's, I, I, I guess I, I'm really comfortable with where it is now. So I do want it to grow to an extent. Um, but at the same time, the idea of it being so big that it becomes impersonal like because right now it's like a, a really good number and i think there will be a time where there's a tipping point um what i would really love to do and i've been thinking more about this recently is have actual like real life meeting events um it's just something that has been going around in my head recently and i'm like yeah i know that again introverts find it's one of the things that we struggle most with is the kind of like networking and getting out there and um actually spending time with a lot of people. But I think there would be a way, if I'm clever about it, of creating like small meetings of like minds that don't feel exhausting and that we break up time well. I mean, it's still very much like blurry in my head, but there is definitely um, something there. Um, I've, since being in Brighton, again, I came totally on my own, so I had to like, I'm alone I really do but um I had to meet some people <laughs> so I set up a meetup group um and we meet every Saturday morning and it's been really great and for the what it's one of the few times where I can leave after a couple of hours and I think it's like a really good time for me because it's like only a couple of hours um and I will actually leave energized which is rare because most introverts we all well I tend to leave events feeling pretty drains even if I did have a great time um so it would be really cool if I could create something like that that introverts do get to meet other creatives and share ideas and collaborate I think collaboration is something that I've been really um doing a lot of this year and has been really great but yeah it's it's kind of managing that and actually making it introvert friendly that will be the tricky spot is there some sort of trick to teach ourselves or others we're talking a lot about the unknown and the vulnerability that comes with putting yourself out there. And that's something that I talk about a lot. And in my own personal life, I'm still on a daily basis. I think that that's probably something every decision that you make that leads to an uncertainty is going to bring that same, even if you're confident, you're going to have to say to yourself at some point, okay, like fine, just go ahead and do it. You have confidence, go ahead and get this done putting yourself out there, reaching out to local businesses. You've now been able to support yourself financially in doing so. Had you not had the guts to do that, you wouldn't have done that. 
You're talking about meeting up with people who are like-minded. You're talking about leaving things, feeling energized, not drained. These are two men have been able to move past because you just finally said one day, oh no, let's just do this. There's some sort of trick that we can teach ourselves, teach others in your opinion, as far as like, just put yourself out there. It'll be okay. Nobody's going to like point at you and be like, look at this jerk. Ah. How do we get past? Yeah, I'm actually doing a lot of reading and uh, research around this at the moment. But one of the things that I'll say is, for me, I know that the only thing worse than fear of the unknown is fear of regret. So it's like, it's that, okay, so I went skydiving once and again, this is, my friend was kind of dragging me along to do it and I was like, Jesus Christ, this is the worst thing. Um, but you go up in the plane and for me, the only thing worse than jumping out of the plane was going back down in that same plane. Like, to me, that would have just been the worst thing, you know, um, and we could dig into that. It's like a failure and like that's got its own issues. But that's kind of how I feel about most things. And it's usually that thing that pushes me over the edge. And sometimes it's not always that time. Sometimes fear of the unknown does get the better of me. And I'm like, OK, I'm not ready for that thing yet. But when um, when the time is right, that fear of the uh, fear of regret will be the thing that pushes you but i think a big thing that's also helped is really understanding that internal voice um and so what i mean you can call it what you want i'd call it your intuition basically so i do a hell of a lot of journaling um i started generally i used to just like journal basic things like what happened in my day what i was grateful for um and that would kind of be a habit that I would do at the end of the day. But as soon as I started journaling first thing in the morning and asking myself questions like, should I do this scary thing or what's so scary about this? And like really writing down the question and writing out the answer. Like it was amazing what stuff got revealed. And I was like, yeah, that's completely irrational. Um, that fear doesn't make any sense. Um, and so I guess that would be like a practical thing would be like to start writing this stuff down, you know, get that voice, that annoying roommate or whatever you call it, um, internal voice out there and really look at that fear and work out, is that what I'm scared of? Um, what would be the advantage of me staying there? What would be the advantage of me going out there and doing the thing? You mentioned of the fear of regret and also I've never thought of it this way, but the skydiving thing in terms of the only thing scarier than being up there in the plane was, would be coming back down in the plane, you know, and we talk about fear of failure, right? And truthfully, in this particular analysis, that would have been failure. You went all the way there and then you got to the cliff and couldn't put yourself over the edge. That's the true regret that w you always hear about people if, they're on, if they've gotten to the point where they're old and they're on a deathbed. They never talk about the things that they actually did. It's the things that they wanted to do but didn't have the courage to do. You know, the other thing is, like we're saying about you now being in business for yourself. The reason why I'm harping on that so much is because if you were still at that doldrums agency job, making enough money to get by, kind of being on the hamster wheel, you wouldn't have grown to the point where you could have started the League of Creative Introverts, which is going to push you in a direction. It's like steps, right? If you never walk from one to two, you'll never get to five because you won't know the path, right? So, and you're talking about gratitude and writing things down in the morning. What does that mean to you? I talk about November being a month of gratitude because there's, in America, there's Thanksgiving, there's Veterans Day. It's just, for some reason, there's something about this time of year where that seems like a present theme in people's lives. What does that mean to you? What is gratitude to Kat? How do you try to live it to keep yourself you mentioned the annoying roommate. In my head, do you know who Arlie Ermy is? He's a now here maggot. He's he's like the the guy from Mail Call or uh, the movie uh, Full Metal Jacket. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I say that like he's my guy in my head. Like if I'm sitting around being lazy, a hard voice, right? Because sometimes you have to tell him like, ah, shut the hell up. I just want to sit here and eat potato chips right now. Leave me alone. But sometimes you, it's like, no, you're right. Let's get to it. That's interesting. Um, I would like to, at some point, maybe do a post in, in defense of that voice. Because, yeah, like you said, sometimes it's kind of what you need to hear. But um, going back to gratitude, 
I mean, this is something that I started doing um, maybe two years ago and genuinely, like I will never say that anything I've done was like an overnight, um, oh, and I was like happy the next day. Meditation solved my life, like all my problems. But gratitude, I think, was something that I was very skeptical about. And that's why I tried it. I was like, how could writing down what I'm grateful for every day make me happier or whatever? But when I started doing it, I was like, damn, I'm noticing things that I wouldn't normally notice and catching these things that would would have just like passed me by while I was getting lost in my thoughts. So I guess this is interesting. Um, I thought about this today because I had like a really beautiful morning walk and I was like, oh, my God, it's like the world's brightness, like the colours have turned up, you know, it's it's also beautiful. And I wonder if I would have noticed that have I not cultivated this gratitude thing. And it's really linked for me to being mindful and staying in the present moment. Again, I have this tendency to get lost in my thoughts. So I will be listening to that really loud um, yelling roommate, obnoxious roommate. Um, but when you are aware of your surroundings and grateful for them and noticing like the cute bird over there or whatever, then that voice, it's not what you're thinking of. So I think that kind of like being present in the moment and gratitude for me has really, um, they fed each other and it's it's just, a, I, mean, well, I, I, I feel ridiculous saying that it's a game changer because I know that some people listening just might not be into it, but I would really encourage people just to experiment. Um, and you know, if it doesn't work, then at least you've proved to yourself that it doesn't work. But without trying, like don't judge, <laughs> um, yeah. People don't maybe force it. Like I know that some days it will feel a bit more forced, but there's usually something that you can find and truly feel grateful for. Yeah, that was one thing. So I know that some people like, again, we're talking about the rebels. Like if you feel forced into being grateful, then it's probably not going to work so well. But Well, I think if you are having a day where you're frustrated about something, don't ignore that either, right? Work through it. What am I really frustrated about? Some of these things might just be like you're saying, am I being a brat right now? Am I just my inner child? Is it coming out? But probably at the root of that, there's something that's a truth. You know what I mean? That a truth that you have to address that you want to address either consciously or subconsciously and work through it. So if you're feeling like shit one day or you're feeling angry or frustrated, that's okay. Like I think that kind of thing, you start doing that more when you make gratitude practice a habit. Again, I just don't think I would go into those moments had I not started the gratitude practice yeah yeah I think you're also just talking about being reflective right by also writing those things down it helps you move past them in a way yeah. because then they're not just like rolling around your head taking up space that you could use to grow elsewhere you've talked about also um you know in a way it's like having I mentioned it to you prior to the conversation today uh, the Swiss army knife approach and I was having a conversation with my uncle yesterday at my at a dinner and we were just talking about diversification and you know passive income. If you can sell photography and get that up and going, blah blah blah. Then it, even if that brings you a hundred bucks a month, it's something, right? It's just you know meeting bills, diversifying so that you know you're not relying on I need to have this online gambling job, making graphic design, and if I don't, I'm going to be on a on a breadline like you're saying. Where is that approach for you today? I think for me, and everyone has their own take on this, and I really think it's like each to their own, because for some people, things took off as soon as they started to do this one thing. And we read books like The One Thing and Essentialism, and we're almost getting, I think, peer pressured or guilt tripped into not focusing on one thing or not having this one thing. And I believe that, especially in the early days, diversification is huge. Like, do not put all your eggs in one basket especially when your baskets are all like brand new, you know, and you just don't know which one's going to work. And also just being a creative person, I think we naturally gravitate towards a mixture of things. One year we're into this one thing and then our minds change. And to think that we have to pigeonhole ourselves into one thing. Forever. Yeah, just because that's the fastest route to the, success. Well, and that was the first thing you chose. So you have to just stick with it forever. Exactly. Like you're branded. We're going after careers that are lifelong and that make us happy. 
it's not about getting to the top the quickest way because it maybe if it was then maybe I would do this one thing that I happen to be really brilliant at but actually I prefer to go slower and enjoy the journey because that's all we've got and I think one person who talks well about this is Jeffrey Shaw so his podcast Creative Warriors it's brilliant because every time he gets somebody on who talks about focusing on one thing he's like actually no <laughs> and I really appreciate that because he's like you know what having one core goal or value that's cool like stick to that and maybe build your career around that but it doesn't mean that your creative outlet just has to be one thing you could have I agree multiple. with that yeah and it's but then it is a tricky line because I think if it's up to me sometimes I would wake up one day and be like today I want to be a circus actor like it, you know I definitely do have a tendency to have too many ideas and I think a lot of creators struggle from that but it's testing stuff out and just feeling into it. I've come to the conclusion that there are two kinds of people, specialists and generalists. And as an example, I have a very close friend who, his name is Javen Ivey. He's a stop motion animator. And he and I spoke about this once for a podcast here. Uh, and he said, you know, I can make an armature, but I know armaturists. And the difference meaning between the specialist and a generalist here is that you know enough about a multiple amount of things to have the person who can go in there with the scalpel and get down to the nitty gritty that you don't have the ability to do because you're not that focused on that one thing. So maybe it's just that now I'm also a generalist and I have been told by friends and family alike, you're too all over the place. You're too this, you're too that. And sometimes when you're struggling with your confidence, I think that you can start to listen to them and you should maybe listen to them because like you're saying, you can't just wake up today and be like, I'm going to be in the circus. It's like, well, where, what roots are that tied to and why are you doing it? You know? So if you can answer, I'm doing these five things and I can explain concisely why I'm doing all of them and how they all kind of ladder up to something, an ideal or a big picture. Yeah. I think as long as we are, you know, it goes back to being grateful and writing things out. If you take the time to think things through, then you can take on more things because they're thought through and there's not that insecurity where you're like, how can I go about this? It's like, well, I sat down and figured that out, how I can go about it. Now adapt on the fly and, you know, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, and I do, I, when I do have these ideas, I journal it all out and it's really interesting because it's amazing how, like, ideas will come about and then, you know, I might not act on them and then a few weeks later it's like, oh, now I see how that would, like, totally supplement another thing that I'm working on and all of that kind of comes together. Impatience is the opposite of gratitude, I think, in a lot of ways. As you go through life, you just want things like now and it's like, well, but you haven't figured out how to get that yet. It's not, and life is not a lotto. And appreciate what you've got right now. Um, that's been a huge learning thing, especially being here in Brighton, which I really love. And then thinking, hmm, what's the next thing? What's the next thing? And I'm like, hang on. I've checked off like a hell of a lot of things on my wish list and I believe in not following like when I, I, I do set goals but when it comes down to like you know what's your five-year goal I have no idea but I do know how I want to feel in five years so I think that really helps me is is not so much focusing on the physical things like the house or the car I couldn't care less but what I do care about is will I feel Freedom. Will I, will I be living a life that is aligned with my values? And am I right now? That is a really powerful way of kind of correcting course and making decisions, I think. And you talked about, you know, getting to the top, but the top of what, right? There's really no such thing as the top. And I come from a very blue collar kind of environment where it was always work to earn, work to earn, work to earn. But if you're just miserable the whole time, because all you're doing is working to earn and then you die one day, what was the point of all that, right? Like what you're talking about, being present and not thinking too far ahead. So it's November of 2016. What's going on right now? What's next? Do you have anything planned for, you know, let's say even as far out as the spring of 2017 or not? What are you thinking about? I guess it feels like, yeah, we're closing down for the year, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking about the start of the new year. Um, I have got, you know, the various pies are like one of them is um, an online course. Um, there's a, a larger one that I've got. I had it. I've had it running in the summer. I'm going to launch that again in January. Um, and 
growing the league of creative introverts of course but also like just nurturing the existing league i think that's they've been with me since the start of the year and i'm like so grateful for that um and writing a book which i just <laughs> i was looking back through my journal um earlier this week and i was like oh this is where i first started talking about this book that i was like don't be silly you don't need to write a book right now like you just you don't need that like why are you doing that um but then it just kind of happened you know it's kind of like whoops that happened <laughs> um so i'm just going to see where that goes um and yeah talking to people about potential events for next year but that might be like you know autumn of next year and by the time that happens and um just like yeah nurturing my existing clients i think you know really sort of enjoying the work i'm doing here in brighton again nothing to do with what i'm doing online it's nice to have like these two different worlds and yeah just working with good people um getting on shows like this like i really enjoy connecting with people from around the world again something that i wouldn't have imagined last year yeah so yeah as you can tell like definitely the swiss, swiss army approach right now <laughs> yeah and but it also seems to me that part of the reason why you're able to stay present and be satisfied with who you are today is not just because of the swiss army knife approach but because you have this Swiss Army knife approach, you know, it's like the baseball analogy, right? They say a Hall of Famer in baseball is somebody who still fails seven times out of 10 because they get three hits and 10 at-bats, right? So if you're only doing one thing, then you need to bat 1,000 or you're batting zero. So if you can spread that out a little bit, things take time, right? You know, there's a book down there down the road and there's an event sometime in 2017 but because you don't need it to happen yesterday you'll give it the time to breathe and it'll take its form as it goes oh that's so true that's so true and i think that like links back to what we were talking about at the beginning of like if you are in a job that you're like well this isn't you know my long-term plan but it's kind of having that patience to kind of see the long game and just take every day as it comes and i think yeah, sometimes it does feel like, oh my God, like how is, yeah, how is this book not written or whatever, but it's, again, it's enjoying the journey and picking those things and being like, yeah, I'm just going to nurture this, sow those seeds, let them do their thing. Yeah, <laughs> right. Great. Yeah, yeah. Right. That's actually, that's a great analogy, the garden, right? Yeah. You know, it, it takes time for a garden to grow. It's true. I'm not a gardener, <laughs> but I know that. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you want to plug for me today? You know, expand on the, the League of Creative Introverts if you want or and talk about anything else. Yeah, sure. Well, um, I guess, yeah, let's talk about the League. I mean, later tonight, um, God, yeah, it really is dark right now, but we've got um, our book club and that's something that I'm really excited about. So if anyone, I don't know, like would like to try it out, I guess, you can definitely, if you joined um, basically whatever you do you'll be able to join in on our book club um so if you go to the creativeintrovert.com um you'll see the link at the top for the league of creative introverts check it out um you can try it out for a dollar for 30 days um see if it's for you you know not gonna like hold you to it um but yeah just have a look around we're recording this on a sunday obviously it'll it's gonna come out in a few days is the book club something that you do every sunday or yeah that's what I was trying to get in my head. Um, so it's every six weeks. So I'm thinking like, if you're joining when you hear this podcast, you'll get a notification about the next book club and you'll definitely have time to read the book. I assume it won't be a long book. Um, this week, I can tell you it, it's Hema Chodron's When Things Fall Apart. Um, but we've had a mixture, you know, we've had like books about introversion. This one is has been brilliant because it's more about like, mindfulness and one of the leaders suggested it and I'm so glad because it's been like again I'm hesitant to say that it's been a game changer but it really has been um anyway so yeah we'll be going deep on that fantastic what else do you want to plug for me do you have a website that if somebody aside from the, the creative a personal website for your portfolio and things like that that people could check out for a laugh you can have a look at my pet portrait business at catalyst.com so this okay. is what i was doing before the league of creative introverts um so that's spelt c-a-t-i-l-l-e-s-t like catalyst which i still really love but i i have kind of hit pause on that project but yeah it might be a bit of a laugh for the audience to <laughs> see what else i've been up to in my life 
Okay. And as far as social media goes and things like that? Yeah. I'm a um, creative intro on everything apart from Snapchat. <laughs> and, and these are links that I'm going to have in the blog okay. roll so people can see it. Is there anything that you wanted to talk about? Uh, <laughs> I think that's good. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in New York in the new year. So hopefully we'll have a chance to meet in real life. Yeah, absolutely. I would like that. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Bye. Kat, thanks so much for taking the time out of your Sunday to sit and speak with me. I look forward to meeting you next time you visit New York. I love that in a global world, we can do things like have conversations with people we've never actually met in person that are emotionally open and in-depth. And like Kat is saying, on top of that, she finds a lot of her work locally, reaching out to people who are in her world physically that she can go have a tea or a coffee with and discuss life with. It's something to give a lot of consideration to. What is our personal community? Who is in it? Not only our family and friends, because we all have those, but who else is around us? Who else can we tap into? Who else is another human being with similar desires to us that we can reach out with, that we can be willing to be vulnerable to speak with and connect with and maybe form new friendships, new partnerships, continue to have that network growing. We all have the option to not be stagnant, and I think when we're going down the kinds of roads that we want to go down and not allowing ourselves to be static, that's where the gratitude comes in, because we realize where we are in the world, and we appreciate everything that's around us. So I hope that you guys are doing so this month in November. I hope that as the holidays approach towards the end of the year, you are taking things one day at a time, you are in a place where you feel good about who you are or you are working towards that every day. If you have been struggling for any reason and you think that I can help you, please do not hesitate to reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to listen, more than happy to try to put you in touch with anybody that could possibly help you down the road that you're looking to go down. So please don't fear that and don't hesitate to reach out to me. I am taking things one day at a time these days. I just celebrated a birthday earlier this month. It was my 30th. I actually have to say I'm really happy to be 30 years old. I think there's an innate confidence that comes with learned life experiences that I'm starting to fully grasp. There's so little to be insecure about in this world. We just got to push through those walls. And I say that as a slogan and I mean it. And it's very easy to give advice to a third party. And then when we put ourselves in that same position, those insecurities come up, those fear of failures, they get in there too. But as like Kat said, look, you just got to reach out to people. She moved to Brighton from London, so she was forced in a way to reach out to people in order to get a social life going and get a work life going. But here she is on the other side of that. Her life is thriving. She's happy with where she's at, and she's got plans on how to grow into the future. We can never get to step three if we aren't willing to get to step two. And step three will be so enthralling that we'll look back at step one and think to ourselves, why did we wait this long to get there? It is on that note, guys, that I'd ask you to keep getting out there and keep breaking those walls. I'm hoping to very shortly be in production for a new t-shirt line with a friend of mine. Actually, I'll reveal who that is. Reb Rant, who is the guest on Breaking Walls episode number one, very close friend of mine from high school. He and I are launching a New York-centric t-shirt company. Hope to have that information visually out to you guys shortly. I've been personally shooting a lot of photography around New York City. It's a great time of year to do that. The fall foliage, the shadows, it presents good depths of field. I got to say, the iPhone 7, I have the 7, not the 7 Plus. I'm shooting in RAW on it, and I'm able to shoot 11 by 15s in RAW at 300 DPI. I have lenses from a company called Moment. I would definitely check them out. They have a widescreen lens, a tele-lens, so if you have an iPhone 7 and not the 7 Plus, so it has the single lens, not the dual lens, look into Moment. They're a lens and photography equipment company specifically for the iPhone. They do a great job. And once again, guys, keep getting out there. Keep breaking those walls. My name is James Scully. This has been Breaking Walls episode number 45. And until next time, I'll catch you on the flip side. Thank you very much.